0: Hello and welcome to What the Dickens podcast, series one, Great Expectations, read by me, Ian Pringle. Chapter 14. It is a most miserable thing to feel ashamed of home. There may be black ingratitude in the thing, and the punishment may be retributive and well-deserved, but that it is a miserable thing, I can testify. Home had never been a very pleasant place to me because of my sister's temper, but Joe had sanctified it, and I had believed in it. I had believed in the best parlour as a most elegant saloon. I had believed in the front door as a mysterious portal of the Temple of State whose solemn opening was attended with the sacrifice of roast fowls. I had believed in the kitchen as a chaste, though not magnificent, apartment. I had believed in the forge as the glowing road to manhood and independence. Within a single year all this was changed. Now it was all coarse and common, and I would have not had Miss Havisham and Estella see it on any account. How much of my ungracious condition of mind may have been my own fault? How much Miss Havisham's, how much my sister's, is now of no moment to me or to anyone? The change was made in me. The thing was done. Well or ill done. Excusably or inexcusably, it was done. Once it had seemed to me that when I should at last roll up my shirt sleeves and go into the forge, Joe's prentice, I should be distinguished and happy. Now the reality was in my hold, I only felt that I was dusty with the dust of small coal, and that I had a weight upon my daily remembrance to which the anvil was a feather. There have been occasions in my later life, I suppose as in most lives, when I have felt for a time as if a thick curtain had fallen on all its interest and romance, to shut me out from anything save dull endurance any more. Never has that curtain dropped so heavy and blank as when my way in life stretched out straight before me through the newly entered road of apprenticeship to Joe. I remember that at a later period of my time, I used to stand about the churchyard on Sunday evenings when night was falling, comparing my own perspective with the windy marsh view, and making out some likeness between them by thinking how flat and low both were, and how, on both, there came an unknown way and a dark mist, and then the sea. I was quite as dejected on the first working day of my apprenticeship as in that after-time, But I am glad to know that I never breathed a murmur to Joe while my indentures lasted. It is about the only thing I am glad to know of myself in that connection. For though it includes what I proceed to add, all the merit of what I proceed to add was Joe's. It was not because I was faithful, but because Joe was faithful, that I never ran away and went for a soldier or a sailor. It was not because I had a strong sense of the virtue of industry, but because Joe had a strong sense of the virtue of industry that I worked with tolerable zeal against the grain. It is not possible to know how far the influence of any amiable, honest-hearted, duty-doing man flies out into the world, but it is very possible to know how it has touched one's self in going by and I know right well that any good that intermixed itself with my apprenticeship came of plain contented Joe and not of restlessly aspiring discontented me. What I wanted, who can say? How can I say, when I never knew? What I dreaded was that in some unlucky hour I, being at my grimiest and commonest, should lift up my eyes and see Estella looking in at one of the wooden windows of the forge. I was haunted by the fear that she would, sooner or later, find me out, with black face and hands doing the coarsest part of my work, and would exult over me and despise me. Often, after dark, when I was pulling the bellows for Joe, and we were singing Old Clem, and when the thought of how we used to sing it at Miss Havisham's would seem to show me Estella's face in the fire, with her pretty hair fluttering in the wind and her eyes scorning me, often at such a time I would look towards those panels of black night in the wall, which the wooden windows then were, and would fancy that I saw her, just drawing her face away and would believe that she had come at last. After that, when we went in to supper, the place and the meal would have a more homely look than ever, and I would feel more ashamed of home than ever, in my own ungracious breast. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed that chapter. If you did, and you want to listen to more of these, then I would love to record all of Dickens' work. But I might need a little bit of help. So if you can, and if you can't, don't worry. But if you can, then I do accept donations. If you go to the show notes for this show or any of the others, you'll see there's a link to PayPal. And you can just send me a bit of change. Um, I'll have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or even a beer, if you're feeling generous, and that would be lovely. If you do do that, then please leave me your contact details just so I can say thank you. And also, what I'd like to do is when I've finished this whole book... I'd like to package that up. And if you've donated, then I'll send you the full MP3 so you can have the whole book to yourself completely mastered without these bits, so you won't be getting interrupted by me at the end or anything like that. And you can listen to that as many times as you want. So you'll find the link in the show notes. And also, if you want to, you can go to my website and donate there. That's www.ianpringlevoiceover.com forward slash podcasts and you'll find um, the donate button at the bottom. Thank you. Goodbye.